Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to The Good News with Angie Austin. Now, with The Good News, here's Angie. Hey friend, Angie Austin here with the good news along with Jim Stovall and we're talking about his weekly column, Winner's Wisdom, and this week it's titled Comparative Crisis. Welcome back for the weekly visit, Jim. It is always great to be with you. I was on a little vacation uh, for spring break and I don't know if I told you, but we went to the Air and Space Museum and I think I've told you my brother went to West Point Military Academy, but he didn't talk much about it because it wasn't the most pleasant experience for him. There's, you know, there's a lot of I don't know. It's it's tough. I wouldn't say hazing per se, but like part of the doctrine is to harass the plebes, you know, and really berate sure. them. So anyway, he said, oh, I jumped out of that plane. I jumped out of that kind of plane and that plane. And they have down there, I think I told you, the, the graveyard for planes. Did I tell you about that? Right. So anyway, um, I said, oh, my gosh, you jumped out of that. And um, he's, I said, what do they do if they don't if you don't jump? And he said they kick you in the middle of the back. Mm-hmm. And then he said, you always close your eyes in your first jump. So it's every jump's a night jump, even if it's in the morning. But anyway, that I have to highly recommend that Air and Space Museum and all the information they have uh, in um, in Arizona. Really, really neat. I and mean, some of the like JFK's Air Force One, one of them was there. Well, I have to tell you, I have total respect and gratitude for people like him that have served and sacrificed our country, but I just cannot see the point in jumping out of a perfectly good airplane. I mean, you know, if um, if I'm ever on a plane and it's going down, yeah, I'll, I'll try the parachute thing. But, um, no, a perfectly good airplane, now that's just, um, you know, that's amazing to me that people do that. But uh, do, do you, I think it's fascinating. Do you remember that um, helicopter that landed on the White House lawn several years back? Yes. Okay, so there was a pair. I didn't know what it was like, but my husband said that's that's the same kind of helicopter that landed on the White House lawn. Jim, it's like a bicycle with helicopter propellers. It is the most insane device, and I guess it was for recon, like if behind mm-hmm. lines there was something that you had to go get or a person. I don't know. It's like – and your head is so close to the – the pro- what do you, do you call those propellers on top of a helicopter? Yeah, the rotor. Yeah, the, there, yes. Yeah. yeah, and your head is so close to it. And I'm like, I some of the contraptions in that museum, I cannot believe flew. You know, it, it was it was fascinating. All right, I've taken you on a wild goose chase. So let's talk about comparative crisis. Well, you know, this week we're talking about the fact that uh, maturity begins when we realize that uh, the rules in life really apply to us. Uh, uh-huh. You know, when we're immature, we think, you know, I understand, you know, you're supposed to do that or that, but that really doesn't apply to me. You know, I when I was young and just starting out in my business career and uh, doing the things I did, you know, I thought, you know, that, you know, I understood you're supposed to get seven to eight hours of sleep every night. But, uh, you know, I thought I only need three or four, and I can actually skip a night now and then. And oh. uh, that works for a little while, and then all of a sudden it doesn't. And, uh, you know, and you know, we have to be aware of, you know, what this is. And a lot of people, you know, they, they don't understand we create crises in our life, 
And we we have to understand that we create most of these. And, uh, you know, when, and we have to be honest about it. Uh, I call it Stovall's 11th commandment that says, thou shalt not kid thyself. Mm-hmm. Or if you don't like me, just take it from Mr. Shakespeare, who said, to thine own self be true. And I mean, at some point, you got to get really honest with the uh, person in the mirror there. And I have written over a thousand of these weekly columns that go over. Wow across North America, Europe, and Asia, and, and 50 books. And in all of the books and columns, it has my contact info. So I hear from literally thousands and thousands of people every year. Oh my and they gosh. ask questions. And, and, you know, the number one question is about money. You know, people want to know about money. And, you know, we always encourage people to, uh, you know, really simple stuff. Uh, spend less than you earn. Uh, save for retirement uh, systematically every month, invest for your retirement, and have an emergency fund. And people will come up with a budget, and then invariably a couple of weeks into it, they'll call our office and say, well, you know, I had a crisis and I couldn't do it. And I'll ask, well, tell me about the crisis. Well, my, my kid needed a prescription, and I had to do that so I couldn't invest. Well, okay, I would be the first to say, if your kid needs a prescription, I mean, there's no higher priority in life. Of course. But they always want to compare their mistake to the highest priority. But I said, well, let's get out the rest of your budget for the month, mm-hmm. and let's compare the prescription against the the night you spent at the beer garden or the <laughs> evening at the casino. Let's take a look at that. But, you know, you always want to, you know, throw it up there that, well, my kid needs a prescription. Well, that's valid, but, you know, you can't compare and contrast to this higher goal, you need to compare every expenditure to the dumbest thing you did all month. And would you rather do this than that? And those are the the decisions that make it tough for us in life. Because, uh, you know, most often we're comparing ourselves to the wrong thing, or we're comparing ourselves to the wrong people. When you go on social media, you look at, you know, I'm inadequate, I'm not as good as them, or at least I'm not that bad, I'm better than they are. And in reality, you know, the only comparison we should have is to the best and higher calling in our better self and who we know we should be. And that's what we should compare to. But we always uh, let ourselves off the hook. And, you know, we compare ourselves to, you know, our intentions. Well, I intended to do good, but this happened. And, you know, unfortunately, too often we hold ourselves to our intentions, but we hold everybody else in the world to the reality. What did they really do? And, and then we let ourselves out. Though. Well, I, I know I'm always late, but I'd have been on time except for this and that and the other thing. But uh, let somebody else be late, and we read them the riot act. Yeah, and, and uh, I like your um, your example of the prescription versus the money they spent, you know, on the beer garden. I have a cousin who's like a sister to me, and we each have brothers. Uh, and I have a brother. Uh, uh, that's really struggled with drugs and alcohol, and so has hers. And so when they come to us for money, um, th- that's generally the issue, that they've bought beer or cigarettes or, uh, in one of my other cousins' case, a tattoo, and you know, and then they can't make rent. And I cannot, Jim, for the life of me, wrap my head around ever buying beer or a tattoo before I would pay my water bill or my rent. Like It doesn't even enter my mind that that would be a possibility for my life. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, you know, I think it's absolutely fascinating, and and you can go into a lot of these places. You know, I've never been in one, but I bet you a tattoo parlor. I bet you can go in there, and they have loan applications. They have them for weddings. They have them for trips, for travel, for vacation, and all these things are wonderful. I have no problem with any of these expenditures if you can afford it. 
It's like all the things our government wants to do. Um, it's really great. All of them are great. But are we going to borrow money from the Chinese to go do this? I mean, you know, we don't have money laying around. We're continuing to borrow money to do these things. And, you know, and that's why you have to always look at uh, are we comparing ourselves to the best and the right thing as opposed to uh, what's the dumbest thing we did all month? You know, uh, this uh, situation about, you know, money and spending, my, my husband and I were uh, – we took the kids to a really nice resort just for the last day of our vacation to, you know, the Lazy River and the water park and all that was at the hotel. So we pull up and it, um, there were like a lot of beat-up cars and families that looked like they were kind of, you know, struggling maybe a little bit financially. And I said, I'm shocked that they can, you know, afford this kind of – like if you're pulling up in a van that's worth $2,000 and two days at this place is, uh, you know, 1500 bucks, right? So mm-hmm. how, how, how are they affording that? I'm like, it just blows my mind that um, there's so many families here that I, I wouldn't expect to be able to afford this kind of, you know – one day is all we did, one, whatever, one night. And my husband said, you don't realize that people take out loans. They go, they put this on their credit cards. They go into debt to do these things. And that would never, you know, be something that we would ever do. And having been, you know, poor, you and I, Jim, have both, you know, struggled at some points in our lives, but I was definitely poor in low-income housing growing up. So never wanting to do that again, I would never spend money that I, uh, that I didn't have. But yes, yeah, so he he's like, yeah, of course, people are charging it. I'm like, oh, okay, hello. <laughs> no, I I did an event uh, recently at a, at a casino, and these are just amazing billion-dollar edifices, these casinos. And uh, there was a convention there, but, uh, you know, we, we arrive on a Tuesday afternoon. So we, we're walking in, my colleague and I, and as a blind person, she generally describes you know, what's going on? She said, the parking lot looks like a salvage yard. It looks, I mean, I'd be shocked if half these cars even run. And these people here are on a Tuesday afternoon, middle of the day, in a casino. Then we go inside, and she looks out across there, and she said, it looks like they let out the drunk tank on Tuesday after a three-day weekend. That's what these people dress and act like. I mean, it's just, you know, and I'm not being critical of anybody. I'm just saying these are people, God love them, they cannot afford this. Right. And they're pumping money that they're borrowing into these machines. And yes. uh, this just does not end well. And and like, again, we have empathy for the situation. I and mean, gambling is obviously something that's, you know, many of these things are addictive behaviors and that they end up in this financial, you know, in these financial straits due to that. And it, it happens to well-educated, successful people. It happened to a relative of mine and behind his wife's back took out all these loans. So when he passed away and he'd been a highly regarded teacher, her as well, uh, she found all this debt that they had and remortgaged the house and, you know, do, uh, did all these other things. So uh, it can happen to the best of us. So so uh, we're not judging. We're just expressing. So in terms of, uh, you know, uh, comparative crisis, what do you want to, us to learn from this? You know, give everybody in the world a little grace, but hold yourself to a higher standard. You know better than that. So when you get to the end of the month and you say, you know, it's my kid's prescription or my uncle died and I need to go to the funeral or whatever, those are legitimate things. But don't say I have to break my goal or my budget because of that, because what's really killing you are the stupid things you do all month that uh, really don't matter. You know, and, and you know, you, 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 you've you got to look at those things, and those are the things that are really, you know, they don't matter, but they're killing your budget. And 
you know, and Angie, it's all about choices. We can have anything we want, but we can't have everything. And if you pick A, you don't get B. And uh, so it's really a time to be honest with yourself. Decide what you want. Nobody's making you do this. Just decide what you want to do and then be honest with yourself. And uh, and then I think you'll find yourself uh, living in a reality you never would have imagined. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, the, the greatest thing that wealth will bring you is peace of mind. You know, every time the oh. car starts smoking or the refrigerator makes a funny noise or the roof starts dripping, it's not a crisis. It's a who do we call for this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, I agree. Peace of mind is it. And also, you know, you talk about the basic rules for success with money involved, spending less than you earn, investing on a regular basis, setting aside funds for emergencies and future expenditures. And I like to make that future expenditures account like something really fun that I'm really looking forward to. And you get excited about, you know, oh, could that be a trip to Hawaii? Is that going to be a new car? You know, what will that eventually be? And it's really fun to save for something like that, in addition to the emergencies, obviously, as well. But one thing that I've learned is that you really can shop around for deals and don't be embarrassed to get one or, you know, use use a deal. Whenever I'm going to do something with the kids and we're traveling, I go to Groupon and see if they have a deal on that particular thing that we're going to do and maybe save five bucks a person or whatever. And uh, when it comes to like my daughter getting the kitty meals, she knows that that's, you know, her deal, you know, that she's still young enough to get the $7 meal while we have to pay 20 or whatever. And it's just little things. Things like ordering water instead of a drink. I don't. I don't mm-hmm. order drinks when I go out, especially alcoholic drinks. If we're sitting by the pool at an expensive, you know, um, hotel, we're not going to be ordering a hundred dollars worth of drinks. They're like twenty-five bucks a piece. No, right. you know, we'll go back to the room and have something to drink if it's you know that necessary or whatever. My kids think it's a pain, you know, that there are certain things that they say I'm cheap about, but we're able to do a lot of really great things because I don't think everything should cost a lot of money. And also travel. I always shop around for deals on travel and you really can't find them all right jimstovall.com it's so fun to talk to you jim loved your article this week comparative crisis if people want to find it thanks jim be well Christmas shopping is never easy especially with teenagers and arc thrift knows that Arc Thrift has recently added electronic gift cards to their website. Now you can easily buy that family member or special person a gift card electronically to thrift away. This gift is perfect for college students or stocking stuffers. Teenagers and young adults don't want to look cookie cutter, meaning they want that unique, one-of-a-kind product that you can only find when thrifting. Arc Thrift also carries gifts that are great for white elephant gifts, gag gifts, and even toys for the little ones. They have a vast variety of products, but for the holiday season, you can find cheaper-than-store-brand Christmas lights, indoor and outdoor decorations, and so much more. It is the season of giving, so don't forget to donate those clothes at the back of your closet you never wear to ARC Thrift. Give the gift of thrift by going to arcthrift.com. That's arcthrift.com. Greeley is listening to the mighty 670 KLT Denver. Hey there, friend. Angie Austin here with the good news and pleased to have Marianne Howard with us. She is an author and she is talking to us about her book, Rest, Overcoming Spiritual Fatigue. Welcome, Marianne. Thank you for having me. Well, let's just start with, you know, I I was talking recently to somebody on 
focus on the family. And he was saying that busyness, he thinks, is the biggest problem right now in like families and the world and particularly, you know, in ministry. Uh, But, you know, why in general do you think so many Americans are feeling just overwhelmed and stressed? I think we are overworked underrested and overcommitted and it's compromised our soul that place where god's spirit is at work inside of us and our soul's connection with god isn't that the case you know i i think our culture kind of like i don't know it's like a claim to importance or like a badge of honor to say how busy you are Absolutely. I think what's happening today is our value and our worth are getting attached to being in demand. Mm. And we get addicted to the need to be needed rather than the need for God to move. And so we've become very consumed with strategy, skill and charisma. And we've stopped emphasizing the soul side of leadership. Um, And, you know, the best way I know how to look at this kind of through the domino of efficiency, speed, productivity, achievement, self-sufficiency, convenience, they all can get in the way of um, staying close to God. Wow. It's, it, it, yeah, it's, it gives us like kind of a sense of maybe self-esteem to be so needed. I was just looking at my schedule. My husband always says, um, just tell me where to be. Like, I don't need all the details. Tell me, like, give me a map location and the time and who I'm picking up. And we've got uh, three practices tonight and then two tournaments this weekend. And we've traveled four times in the last two months for out-of-state tournaments for volleyball in New Orleans and Atlanta and at Salt Lake. And we went to spring break for Arizona. To Arizona. Arizona. So, you know, it's been and then I got COVID and uh, it's just it's been crazy. So um, I think there's some excitement in it, but there certainly is like exhaustion because we couldn't go to church because of the COVID going through the family on Easter. And then my daughter, my youngest, wrote to me and she said, when are we when are we going to church? And I was just like, oh, when your little, you know, 13, 14 year old kids are asking you that it's just like, oh, my goodness, it's exactly what you're saying we're doing. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, too, I mean, the demand for daily leading is draining, whether you're a mom or a dad or you're working in the marketplace. The demand to give, lead and serve people can deplete us. And, you know, ultimately, a depleted leader is not a healthy leader. And we need rest that restores. And that's so the source of that is Jesus. He's the only one who can give it. <laughs> oh, isn't that the kit? Yeah, the renewing of your mind, not just the taking a nap and feeling like you got hit by a truck when you wake up. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> well, Marianne, tell us about tell us about you. Uh, you know, we're we're going to continue talking about um, rest, overcoming spiritual fatigue. But who are you? What do you do? Like, tell us about you, Marianne. Well, I've been married for two decades to uh, the love of my life. He is a ministry leader in the DFW area, and uh, we've been in ministry for over twenty years. And uh, I am a mom to two boys, teenage boys, and a doodle mom. I'm a golden doodle mom. Aww. I'm a ministry leader. I work for a publishing company out of Nashville, and I'm a friend. I'm a disciple maker. So I am very busy. And so, part of the heart behind this book is it comes from my own places of weariness and depletion, and. Um, overcommitment. <laughs> and I think there's a passage that I talk about in the book that has really shaped the, this work. And it's Song of Solomon 1 verse 6. And it says, they made me keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Ooh. And it's 
that's so true that we are so busy taking care of everybody else's yeah. yard or vineyard <laughs> that we look at our, we take a minute and look at our own vineyard, our own soul and realize, oh my goodness, it's overgrown with weeds. I haven't been tending to it. And so that's, that's kind of where the project, that's what it was birthed out of. You see my vineyard right now. I've got, you know, oh my goodness, I just put in hardwood floors. I've got clothes everywhere. My whole vineyard's a mess. So need the cleaning lady to come and help me with my vineyard. But um, I, I want to talk about this distraction issue. I, t- I, I took an, it's an interesting take on distraction because you, yeah. you, you say it creates self-centeredness. And I just realized that's me. Like, I'm so busy. I'm so distracted. Like, my life's so important. I've got three teenagers. I have, I'm a team mom. I have my radio show. Mm. My mother, who's in her 80s, has lived with us for 20 years until recently. Mm. Like, it's all about my husband has a startup. You know, it's really busy. And it's, it's self-centered. It is. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I recently read a statistic that says right now we all have the attention spans of goldfish, ah. which totally shocks me, but then doesn't because that that's the operation of distraction. Distraction at its root is self-seeking, self-motivated, and self-centered. And yep. each distraction, it's not a one-size-fits-all enticement from the enemy. James 1.14, it says that it's unique to you. We're lured away by our own desires. So what may yep. possibly lead your heart away from the living God may look different than what's leading my heart away from the living God. Hmm. And so, and often our distractions will reveal what we love most, what we fear most, and what we trust most. And it's always going to elevate you over others and God to make up for those, um, those empty and unstable places in us. Okay. So what, what do we do to fight the distraction in our lives? Like, I feel like it's like an illness in my life. Like I'm like, you know, have you ever seen Up, the movie Up? And yes. that that, that yes. um, dog okay. has the cone of shame on, you know, that, that cone that goes around <laughs> your neck so they don't like gnaw on their wound or whatever. And um, that, that particular dog, whenever there's something serious going on or whatever, he'll just go squirrel, squirrel. And then he'll look the other way. And that's totally the way I feel about like, and I've even had friends that whose children are grown get irritated with me when they're with my family because I'm so used to them kind of pulling me away from whatever it is I should be focusing on. And my girlfriend said, that is rude. You know, I'm talking to you mm-hmm. and you are like drifting off to something they're you know, grabbing your arm about. And she said, that is rude. Mm-hmm. So what do we do? That's what are the good. steps to get rid of distra- uh, stra- to fight distraction? Great question. I think there's a couple that will really help us. And just so you know, the great thing about Jesus is he's, he's not a shaming Lord. He says, come to me. He doesn't say, come to me, all of you who are crushing it and living your best life. He right. says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So here are some steps that help me fight distraction and help me recenter my life on the giver of rest. Number one, we've got to slow down. Yeah, it's my my teenage son. He's learning how to drive. And I'm having to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. So first and foremost, whoa, whoa, whoa. We've got to slow down because that helps us be intentional to reverse disordered priorities. So number one, we've got to slow down. Number two, we've got to examine our daily habits. We've got to look at what's compromising life giving habits Mm -hmm. with God, cultivating intimacy with him. So we've got to examine our habits. Number three, we've got to be attentive. You got to pay attention to what you pay attention to. What you think about, you care about, and what you care about is ultimately what you're going to chase. So that question there is, what has your attention? So we've got to be attentive. Number four, we've got to practice listening. Mm-hmm. We've got to create 
and space to listen. We got to unplug the noise and plug into the presence of God. You know, Psalm 46, verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. But when you look at that in context, holistically at all the surrounding passages around Psalm 46, verse 10, it really is saying, be still so that you can know that I am God. Ah, very Our good. Has to shift. And then finally, we've got to be intentional. We've got the way you fight distraction is with attention. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to be, we've got to be att- intentional with our attention. You know, you were talking about, you know, um, your son and learning how to drive. I've got two driving right now. Mine are all going to be in high school next year. Um, uh, when you say you cannot hurry and love well, it makes me think about this past weekend. I did travel with my son to watch one of my daughters, and uh, I just remember looking in his eyes so much because it was just the two of us, the two of us at dinner, the two of us at lunch, mm-hmm. and just looking in his eyes so much and being like having time with him, and it was so wonderful, and I'm sure he felt loved because I was constantly looking at him and like smiling, and he's like, what? I go, I'm just having fun with you. I'm like, nothing. You know, I'm just smiling mm-hmm. at you, looking in your eyes, you know. I mean, I didn't say that because he'd be like, well, I'm your big weirdo. But um, you talk about your son driving on empty, which is something as a carpooling mom and a team mom that I'm often on. I know how far I can go when the light turns on my SUV. And what did your son say to you? And what's the spiritual connection? I was curious about that story. Oh, yes. So I live on empty. And not only in reality, right. but but. And and we were driving and there was an appointment and I am constantly on empty. If you get in my car, probably right now, I'll be teetering towards empty. It's, it's literally daily. And he said, Mom, how long have you been driving on empty? And so many times when you think about that question, how long? Have you been driving on? How long have you been living depleted? And we adapt to it, which is the dangerous thing. And oftentimes I just allow my soul to adapt to empty and I ignore the figure to fuel light to stop, rest and refuel up. I mean, I live in DFW where there's a gas station like on every corner, if not on every half (laughs) corner, I mean, half, half a second. So there's no reason why I'm not stopping. And that is spiritually speaking, you know, we've got access to God's word and worship and ways to refuel. And so we've got to often pause so we can realize not to drive by life-giving habits that are going to refuel our tank. I love that. I love that. Um, What do you want, uh, you know, readers to learn or take away from reading your book if they pick up uh, Rest, uh, Overcoming Spiritual Fatigue by Marianne Howard? You. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yes, I I pray these pages would spark honest, helpful, and hopeful conversations about how to care for your soul and developing rhythms of rest, and that there would be a new understanding of rest biblically, and that we would learn how to practice it from a biblical perspective. I had a sweet, sweet woman yesterday send me an email, and she said, I pray that God uses this book in an unusual way. And I love those words. That's my hope and prayer, is that it would just bring restoration and rest and restorative elements to your daily leading and living. (laughs) And do you, Marianne, do you um, speak and, you know, your minister's wife, you're in ministry, do you travel and speak and what's been the feedback so far on your book? Absolutely. I actually finished a conference, a big conference last week in Orlando. I travel and speak all the time. And it's been remarkable hearing ministry leaders and moms and dads, just regardless of where you are in life and how you're leading and what capacity you're leading, it's bringing life to them. I had a a youth pastor come up to me last week and he just said, I want you to know you're, you're, 
conversation on burnout and walking us through a roadmap through burnout really changed my life. I was on the brink of quitting. Wow. And and this convinced me to stay. That's wonderful. So what's next for you? Working on any other books, getting those kids through high school? Uh, what's next? <laughs> trying to be present every day, to be honest with you. that That's really what I'm working hard at is being present every day with my family, with my Lord, with my family, with my husband, um, and just being careful with my yeses. <laughs> I see yeses and no's like a Jenga game. Yes. Every yes is going to cost you and it's going to pull from something else. And oh, I so love that. Trying to be my- I love that visual. Just- yes. Every yes. When you think about the Jenga game, it sacks. Yeah. And every time you say yes, you're taking from the stability of the bottom and it costs you. And so that's what I'm trying to live out right now is, you know, guarding through my yeses, praying through my yeses to make sure that that my yeses are worth it. I love it. All right. Uh, give us your uh, website, Marianne. It's www.marianne-howard.com. And I've got a couple of blog articles up there. And that's a great way to get to know me. Thank you so much for having me and having this conversation with me today. I appreciate it. You are welcome. What a blessing. Thanks, Marianne. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin on AM 670 KLTT.